I'm Chris Motes, and this is Faith in Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we explore those principles and cultivate those virtues that help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. My guest today, joining us from Aberdeen, South Dakota, is Dylan Kessler. Welcome to the program, Dylan. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. Well, I'm so glad that um, I'm so glad that you're you're joining me here. I um, we had just a delightful coffee. I don't know how long ago was ago now. A year and a half, two years ago, up in Aberdeen, yeah. and it was one of those it was one of those meetings that for me, it just sort of like snapped my fingers, and a couple hours had gone by. I think. Yeah, um, maybe yeah, it wasn't was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun and um, really excited to have you on the program today because you've got a lot of experience um, that I think is going to be really, really interesting to our listeners. And I'm going to let you kind of start us off uh, and just explain to folks who don't know you just a little bit about uh, who you are and, um, you know, what, what it is you do. Sure. Um, who I am. So, Dylan Kessler, I... I live in Aberdeen here with my wife, uh, Marissa, and our three kids. We have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a newly two-year-old. It was just a terror all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, born and raised in Aberdeen, but I, I went away to Hillsdale College in South Central Michigan for college. Then after that, and, and kind of through that, uh, I ended up working, interning first, and then working in the United States Senate in Washington, D.C. I lived there for a short period of time and then um, transferred back to work in a district office back here in South Dakota. Okay. Um, so I, I had this unique experience of seeing a couple of different sides of how the Senate works, first on the legislative side and then on the constituent services side. Um, and I did that for about three years. Then I, I decided to leave there um, for a few different reasons. But one of, one of which was, I, I'm very passionate about politics, very passionate about government and the function of government, the proper function of government. But I also recognize that representing people and businesses and interests and priorities doesn't really mean a whole lot if you haven't been involved in those things. So, so, so I want to take a step away from politics and, and get back into kind of the real world of sorts. Yeah, yeah. So you've been back in Aberdeen for a while now and just like working in private private business. Yeah, yeah. I've been with um, Primrose Retirement Communities here in Aberdeen for about um, about eight years. And the last, coming up on a year or so, I've been our director of operations. Nice. I came into this about um, eight weeks before COVID hit. So. Wow. Well, very, very important. Wild ride of a year. I ah, no kidding. Very important work, uh, but especially in this this pandemic that we've been experiencing in 2020. I mean, you mentioned a couple of things that, that really are the kind of the, the meat of, of what I want to explore today. And we may get into a couple of other issues if we have time, but definitely going to have you back on the program too. But you mentioned um, going to Hillsdale College, and I want to talk a little bit about that, but then get into some of your experience working on a legislative staff, um, working for Senator Thune. So Hillsdale College, for, for those listeners who have maybe never heard of Hillsdale, can you just tell us a little bit about it? Like, what is it, you know, what's it known for? Yeah, Hillsdale is, um, so it's a, it's a small, private, liberal arts college, and they pride themselves on a classical liberal arts education. Yeah. And what, what that actually means, other than just, you know, the high-level talking points, is they really believe in going back and building out your knowledge base of 
what today looks like and framing that in the context of what our Greco-Roman Judeo-Christian tradition is. Yeah. You can't really fully understand that until you've read primary source text on that. Yeah. So a lot of that, and I, I consider it a formation yeah. um, of having gone there because yes. a lot of this formation really starts at base level, understanding um, classic texts, everything from the Bible to Antigone to the Republic, um, and really what it, it gave a sense of, regardless of what your discipline ended up being, your major, your minor, um, it gave you a true sense and participation in what a lot of our professors would say is um, a discussion be- between and among the greatest minds of all time. Yeah. That we all look at the, these same issues and whatever we come up with or achieve in our lifetimes, we, we do so standing on the shoulders of giants that came before us. So that that's really what Hillsdale yeah. tried to do here. They've been going through an evolution over the past oh, 20 years or so of really creating this niche of a, a classical liberal arts education. And what ends up coming out of that is a huge focus on the Constitution. Again, with, in whatever discipline you're in, but the Constitution as the primary and most important document for um, the founding of our country. And I, I keep saying primary source documents because yeah. um, I, I love pointing out that we didn't learn things out of someone else's textbook. Right. We learned it from George Washington's farewell address. We didn't learn what that did to people. We learned what he wrote and why he wrote it. Yeah, that's and it's a very Hillsdale is not a Catholic college. I, they are, I think, explicitly Christian, but this um, maybe a quick uh, Catholic factoid is they just recently have built this. Um, I don't know if they built or remodeled this beautiful chapel on campus. Yeah, have you seen it? Built it right, right in the yeah. middle of campus. It's gorgeous. Beautiful, Cute. beautiful church. And uh, the principal architect on that project, Duncan Stroik, is also the architect that led the restoration of the Cathedral of St. Joseph in Sioux Falls. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's, you know, just this really beautiful, beautiful attentiveness to the Western heritage Yes. In, in all things, both in thought and in art and architecture and so forth. The other um, interesting little plug I'll give for them, too, is they don't take any federal money. Right. They're, so they're, they're not beholden to anyone, uh, and that's why they can have a huge chapel in the middle of their campus. There. Sure. Um, yeah, this, this liberal arts sort of education is something we've t- discussed at various times with others on this program. Um, a very, very, not exclusively Catholic, you know, many of our founders were educated in the same tradition, but it is actually a very Catholic way to go about educating human beings for freedom. You know, and, and I don't want to steer too much into the education side of it, but it, that's something I'm very passionate about. You know, I, I think there's a lot to be said for classical education at lower levels, even, even earlier than collegiate, because forming good human beings in thought doesn't just happen in four years that you're at a four-year university. Mm. Mm. You know, that I, I'm a big believer that we should be pushing more um, classical charter schools, classical education models in our elementary schools, too. Well, and it's, you know, that, that form of education is pretty, um, it, it sets us up for for service as citizens, you know, giving us the formation that we need as citizens of a republic, which is maybe a good segue to something I want to talk about in your time at Hillsdale, you chose to study political science. Mm-hmm. What, what was it that drew you to political science as a, as a major? Uh, the competitiveness. 
Really? Originally. You know, I, so I, I, I never watch sports. I'm not passionate about sports. Don't care about sports, but I am very competitive. Huh. And that's what initially drew me to politics. It was like, oh, wow, you're telling me there are these great forces that are constantly battling every single day over huge issues? Yeah. That's something I want to know about. Um, so originally it was that. And then on the other side of it, too, was was the structure and function of it. That there's, there's power in structure. Uh, how is something set up and why is it set up that way? That's what I went in wanting to know. So that- that maybe answers my next or another question I had is something I've talked about. I think you probably know uh, Professor John Schaff, yeah. another Aberdeen yeah. uh, gentleman, professor of political science. I was a, a poli sci major also. And so w- one of the things that I, I thought I noticed in my program, I went to Iowa State, is is you kind of have these two camps within your political science. You've got your you've got your geeks that are interested in the philosophy of it. And then you've got your geeks that are interested in like the data and the statistics of it. Mm-hmm. Is, it is that a fair breakdown? And I if so, so, which yeah, I mean, it sounds like you like, were maybe in the philosophical camp. Yeah. You have your, po- your policy wonks and then you right. have your, you know, those people that, that are so interested in, in the human element of it or, or how, how sure. we get there as a people, the global thinking. Um, and it, so it's funny, I should mention too, that, I actually, so I ended up getting my minor in political science. I was, it was close to double majoring, but I ended up getting my major in English. Oh, you did? Okay. And I, I did only because, and this fits perfect because I steered mostly towards then the, the people aspect of it. I okay. wanted to study English sure. and literature because I love understanding people. What motivates them and what drives them. And, and I see, you know, politics and, and literature fitting very nicely because understanding who people are um, and then how to serve them are two essential components to who we are as a society. That's very interesting. I'm, I'm reading, I just started a book uh, called The Hobbit Party the other day. Um, it's sort of an exploration of the political thought of Tolkien. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, but uh, the authors of the book, um, in, uh, including a guy named Jay Richards, who is a theologian, teaches at uh, Catholic University of America. They make the point that, um, you know, Tolkien was the chair of, of English literature at Oxford, and that actually this really uniquely suited him. Um, to, it, it, gave him a, uh, it gave gave him a formation in wisdom hmm. um, through his study of the languages, which are intimately bound up in the history of a people, hmm. of a given place. This just sort of helped him, uh, gave him a wisdom that was just really gives him good insights for like political economy. Well, and that's, that's, it's interesting the way that you phrase that too, because the idea of wisdom isn't necessarily something that you can study. Yeah. Uh, it's like whenever someone, I'm reading over someone's resume and it says they, they majored in leadership. Yeah. Well, it's, it's great to study that, but it doesn't mean that you know how to be a leader. To, to study other wise people gives you formation in that, but the, the goal of knowledge and gaining knowledge isn't just for its own sake. It's that it ripens into wisdom. Sure. So back to Hillsdale. Do you yeah. have a like, favorite, favorite course that really uh, jump, jumps out in your memory? I had two, and they're on, on different ends of the spectrum, but I'll tell you. So, so one was a course on the two world wars and it examined the political um, causes of both world wars and then the, the redrawing of boundaries, the, um, 
all the changes that came about in that interwar period mm. and then the rise again of, of a new powder keg in, into the Second World War. So it hit history, it hit politics, it hit the sociological side of things. Yep. I love that. Um, the other one was a course on um, the works of Willa Cather. Really? Yeah. Awesome. A very different end of the spectrum, but um, still hit on a tone of, of who is this society of people. Okay. A lot of her works deal with, you know, immigrants coming to the plains. Um, Death comes for the archbishop. Yeah. Just beautiful, beautiful works um, that deal with human inter- interaction. It, uh, and, and at I, the end I, of the day, that's what politics is. Yeah. And I, I've, I've never read Willa Cather, um, uh, a Catholic off, author. Is that correct? Or, or not? She, so she has a really interesting relationship with Catholicism. I don't think she ever actually converted, but mm. a great reverence for and knowledge of Catholicism. Yeah, Death Comes for the Archbishop is, is a really beautiful, um, really a beautiful read. Interesting. Mm. So after Hillsdale, uh, upon graduation, you got a job working for Senator Thune. Yeah, How does- actually um, my, my last year in, at Hillsdale, I took a semester and went and lived in D.C. and interned in his office Okay, um, as, a, as a part of a program that I was in. And that, that sparked an interest in me where I thought, you know, I'm not sure a semester is enough. Really? I, I want to try this out for a little bit longer. Okay. You know, how does that come about? You know, if there's a, let's say there's like a college junior to, turn in, uh, tuning in right now, like how, do, how does one go about um, – getting a job working for a United States Senator right out of college in South Dakota. It's, it's, um, we have a great opportunity here. Mm. You know, if you do the math on, on the number of people in this state and the number of representatives we have on the federal level, yeah, we're uniquely set here to really have a personal relationship with our member of Congress and with yeah. their office. So yeah. I think what I ended up doing is I think I just called someone and said, Hey, I'm, I'm interested. I'd love really? to introduce myself and, and tell you guys about me. And um, from that, it, it sparked a conversation and then this, this internship. Uh, and after the internship, I, I guess I went into that internship knowing I want to demonstrate that I'm someone that's capable and passionate. And at the end of it, I, I went into one of the offices of one of the higher ups and said, hey, I'm really interested in taking this further is there an opportunity and what would you need to see from me in it? Yeah. So, um, so what, yeah. Is, what is the work of a, let's say it's like an intern, you started out as an intern. Like what does that work look like on a, on a day to day? Is it mm-hmm. kind of answering the mail sort of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of answering the mail, answering the phones, giving tours, um, yeah. some menial things. Yeah. Uh, something that really stuck with me though was the, um, and after I, after I then started and became an actual employee, a Senate employee, and you, you actually get to take an oath that, you know, you're, you're protecting and defending the Constitution. And, and that's a really cool thing because you don't get paid very much. Yeah. Um, so at least they can give you an oath and make you feel good about it. Yeah. But, you know, no one, no one does it for the money. But when I, was a, when I became that actual employee then, I remember our chief of staff, um, a guy uh, named Matt Zabel at the time, uh, pulled me aside and he said, I'm really glad you're on our team. Um, I just want to remind you that all the work that you do, no matter how menial, 
um, allows the senator to do his job. Mm. So we are all an extension of him. And that it, it struck me because it's this really interesting thought as you flip on the TV and you see a senator on the floor talking or you hear that someone supported or wrote uh, a certain bill, our imagination goes back to, you know, a, an 1800s vision of senators standing on the floor and hashing out the bills. And that just honestly doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. But instead, they are the figurehead of, not figurehead, but they are the head of an office yeah. um, and guide and direct the actions of people that um, they've delegated power and authority to. So we did things in his name. So, so after you got hired on as an employee, were you still kind of doing the same sorts of, you know, giving tours? and? Uh, I did a lot more um you know, you have data entry and sure. the, the the unglamorous backroom type jobs of a of a federal employee. But yeah. you know, in in the midst there, you also get to have some input and say in things. And there's a lot of research involved yeah. um, on the legislative side of things, especially. Yeah. It's heavily research based. Yeah. Um, and then you also have to mix in the opinions of your constituents too. Sure. So. There's, there's a balance there. Um, and then I, I had some interesting experiences too in the midst of that of um, being able to go down on the Senate floor for a, a senator's line in state, um, meeting Supreme Court justices as they came in for meetings with the senator. Wow. Um, getting to take meetings and, and actually explain to some constituents what was going on and explaining the process to them. So it's... Uh, it's never as glamorous as it seems from the outside, but no less sure. important. If so, if you, I want to talk about your decision to kind of come back home. Um, yeah. But before we get there, maybe there's, if there is maybe a young person or even just anybody that's curious, like let's say you had decided you wanted to stay there and kind of, you know, um, make a career of helping staff uh, a congressional office. Mm -hmm. What is, what does it kind of look like in terms of like your, I don't know if pecking order is the right word, but yeah, you know, you know what is what are the different levels of a structure within a staff, and how is it set up? Sure. So, and granted, my my information now is almost a decade old. Yeah. Um, not quite, but but it's it's pretty universal that you have your your staff assistants that are your frontline people that answer the phones and get the doors and um, do that. They're kind of the general assistant to everyone. Um, you have your L, uh, LCs, your legislative correspondents. Yep. Um, they will coordinate responding to and crafting responses to constituents on any given issue and gathering constituent feedback. Um, you have your legislative assistants or legislative aides too. Those are the, uh, the folks that focus then less on the constituent side of things and more on the research and actual writing of, of policy. Yeah. Um, a lot of times they'll, they'll match up the person that's hearing from constituents on, let's say, a health care issue yeah. and the person that's writing legislation or researching on a health care issue. Yep. Then your legislative staff is typically overseen by a legislative director, a ledge director, an LD, a lot of terms out there for it. Um, that legislative director in, in the office I worked in then worked very closely with the press secretary um, as kind of a, a 
tangent there um, and the general counsel in the office to work as kind of a, a senior advisory team along with then the head of the office would be the chief of staff. And sometimes there's a deputy chief of staff and some other layers in there, but in general, that's that's kind of the basic layout. And then that senior team, especially that chief of staff, then works with um, with the senator directly. Then there are other administrative support folks in there, like the person that does all the mail and mails everything out, and the office manager and yep. the scheduler and um, all of that too. Sometimes there'll be different liaisons from other departments. If uh, someone sits on an armed services committee, there might be a, a liaison from the Pentagon there, or one of those are from the Department of Defense. Uh, just just depends. Nice. So. We've got, I don't know, six or so minutes here left uh, is that this it? time. Yeah, I know. This it goes so fast, really doesn't it? I'm sorry. I, 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 want you to, I want you to share a little bit more about um, just sort of this decision. You mentioned it at the beginning, this decision to like kind of come back home. Yeah. It, it sounds like that was a very thoughtful and considered decision. I had a very, uh, there's a, um, a distinct moment I remember um, one of the things I did in DC is I, I drove the senator around on occasion, so driving to the airport, pick him up from the airport. Um, and I remember a very distinct time of driving across the river and uh, looking across and thinking, man, this is a great place to visit, but I don't want to be here forever. Hmm. And I really, it, it caused me to start thinking, well, why is that? Where do I want to be? You know, this is, this is the most happening, powerful city in the world. Uh, and what it really was, now looking back, it's pretty clear to me. I don't know if I knew then. Um, is that I was missing the human component to it. Hmm. I didn't like what that city and that that perception or proximity to power was doing to me. Um, and it was eclipsing the reason that I wanted to be in public service. Hmm. Um, so what I did is I came back to to a district office here. Every Every member of Congress... Um, member of the House of Representatives or Senator has a district office, a number of district offices usually. Um, our, our members of Congress here in South Dakota have two or three typically. Um, and those offices, their focus is to really connect with people. Sure. And along with that, to serve the people. There are a lot of things that a Senate office can do for people in the way of constituent services. Everything as menial as passport applications or immigration forms. Um, to and I should a quick interjection is that yeah. uh, various congressional offices have provided service to the church as we're you know trying to help a foreign priest with a visa yeah. or maybe some religious sisters etc. So yeah, it's really important stuff. Even it, for the church. It, it is, and I, I always tell people um, even now in my my current job, anytime a, a, an issue with the federal government comes up, I go okay, well here's what we do, here's who we call, here's how we start. Yeah. Um, and I, I did have the opportunity to help some people in some pretty life changing ways. Um, and I helped a lot of people with pretty menial things in my world, but I know they were big things for them. So that's, that's kind of, again, that extension of the office of a U.S. Senator. Hmm. Um, so that was an interesting experience, um, a fun experience in a lot of ways. But I, I had this, this um, gnawing at me that I wanted to do more. Hmm. And in order to do more, whether that is going back to politics someday, which I've flirted with at times in the past, um, or not, or if it just comes back to being a good citizen, I wanted to do more to understand the economy of the country, 
the people of the country, the industry of the country, um, the personality of, of this thing that we all participate in. I didn't feel like I could do that from within those walls anymore. A lot of people can. Yeah. I, I wasn't able to. So I made the choice to, to leave government for private um, industry. I don't regret it. It's been, it's been fantastic. The, the company I work for is fantastic. And I still get enough interaction with the political sphere of things, especially in 2020 as, as we look at all the federal um, changes that have happened in response to yeah. a global pandemic. But, uh, well, the, but the it, it also has forced me to ask myself, am I still being a good citizen, even though I'm not directly involved in politics? Well, you know, it's clear to me that you're just really discerning. And as you think through all these questions, which is maybe a a good opportunity to ask, you know, the the namesake of the show, Faith in Politics, you know, how do you, how do you conceive of the role of your faith sort of as you're, um, you know, whether you're working in business or whether you're um, interacting with, with the political sphere or or having worked a little bit in politics, maybe you could just talk for a a minute or two about how your, your faith has come into your, uh, your life in the world. Only a minute or two. Yeah, sorry. I, think I could rattle on for a long time on that because it, it's it's a work in progress, right? But it's tough for me because I like things very black and white. Um, pope Benedict was a great pope for me. I feel like he was a very black and white pope. Um, and Pope Francis has been a great pope for me because he's reminded me of why why we have certain institutions in the church, and it's, it's the people. So. Mm. In, in business and politics, I, I like things to be really black and white, be able to be put in a box. The tough yeah. thing about any given issue is that you can't necessarily do that. It's, yeah. it's easy to be fooled into thinking we can do that through party affiliation. And that's fine and well and good. Everyone likes to be a part of something. But at the end of the day, for me, I feel like I need to weigh every issue in question um, on its own merit. And, and I like to do that on the political side against the Constitution. That that's, that's my ethos and prism that I view th- any issue through. The tough thing about that is it takes time to do that. I don't feel like I'm very good at politics now in our modern sense um, because things have to be done so quickly. You have to think of an argument so quickly and it, it takes me time to process that. So I don't think I really answered your question, but well, I think there's a lot here more, uh, a lot more that we can talk about. And maybe, um, maybe next time we have you on, I got a whole list of things to talk about, but maybe we'll kick it off next time with your, uh, with this memory you have of Justice Scalia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, great, uh, a, a great jurist of our nation and also a very faithful, faithful Catholic. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I have a little little portrait of him right here um, giving a speech at my alma mater law, law school, sitting right next to a beautiful statue of St. Thomas More. So, um, wh- yeah, I'd love to do that. Fine justice, fine man. Um, yeah, I'd love to do that. Well, thanks for, thanks for joining us on this episode, Dylan. Yeah, thanks for having me. I look forward to doing it again. And thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. Uh, as always, don't hesitate to reach out, sdcatholicconference.org. Click contact us. Love to hear listener feedback, what you like, what you didn't like, what you want to hear, and what you never want to hear ever again. Um, that feedback is really, really valuable to us. Of course, don't hesitate to reach out and share our program with your friends. Until next time, live well. Live well.